Welcome back to another episode of Let's Have a Sip. I'm your host, Sean Drinks. What's going on, man? Uh, I can't complain. How about yourself? How you doing? Good, man. Just sipping my little drinky poo I got here and just chilling, man. So it's a nice day out here in Texas. It's been hot as hell. And today actually feels pretty good. Like fall, like I know it's springtime, but like fall, I feel like never happens around here. And that's what it feels like. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm I'm good to go today. So (laughs) I mean, I'm down in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and it's it's hot as hell outside. I bet, man. I saw that you were posting something the other day on Instagram. You were uh, doing some training. It's like firefighting school or something. Yeah. So right now I am in the middle of getting my um, fire two certification. Uh, Once I get that certification, I'll be certified to work at any paid department in South Florida. Nice, man. Yeah. So that's the goal. I'll be done in July 22nd. So once I finish that. I'll be applying everywhere in South Florida. <laughs> How long have you been training for this? Um, so I've been I've been actually been a firefighter for about three years. In November, I make three years. So I work at a plantation fire department. I've been working at three years. It's a volunteer department. Um, they basically get you certified, get your fire one certification. Uh, but to, in order to be like full time, you have to do uh, fire one, fire two, and EMT. So I just finished EMT last year and then my fire two this year. Okay. That's dope, man. I like that. So, um, what, so is this like your full-time gig or do you, are you doing something else besides that? So, um, full-time I work, um, I do, I work for a company called American Auto Shield. Uh, it's basically like a warranty company for when people like parts go bad in the car, they call in, try to get them replaced. And I do that. I work from home during the day and then take classes at night the grind okay i got <laughs> you man let's let's rewind a little bit because i kind of want to introduce exactly like who you are what you've done in the past because your your story is pretty interesting so um so larikas cunningham aka rico um you were a professional basketball player correct yes sir so you played overseas so kind of where, where exactly did you play um my first year um i was drafted with the um, Tulsa 66ers in the D-League. So that's how my career started. I uh, went and did a trial for them. Um, they were looking for a big, and I was a guard, so I don't even know why they drafted me. Um, I left there in November. Um, in December, went to Mexico, played there for about four months. Uh, summer, kind of just grind. Uh, then I finished, finished up, went to Japan, played in Japan for a year. Went right back to Mexico, took some time off so that I could graduate from Lee because I was a semester away from graduating. So I took took like four months off to graduate. And then that um, that January in 2013, I went to no 2014. I went to Saudi Arabia, played there for five months. It was interesting. (laughs) And it sounds like it. And then I left that and we had our son August. So I kind of. I was like, all right, I want to do something local because the Globetrotters were starting to like use me a little bit more for like the international tours. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do that and see how it goes. Uh, Did that for about two years. And then once it picked up, I kind of I was like, all right, I'm just going to like kind of let basketball go because it's getting to a point to where now I'm gone nine months out of the year. So really don't get to see your family. So I kind of just took a seat. Took a step back, gave it up, 
and here I am now. I didn't realize you went to so many different countries to play. That that's uh, that's pretty crazy. So you so you went to Mexico, Japan, then back to Mexico, correct? Yeah. What you said. Yeah. So like that. So playing. So playing for. So you said you started in the D League, which it's the G League now, right? Yeah. So at the time you played, you played in the D League and then played internationally. So like what? were some of the major differences playing in the D league versus going in, uh, to play internationally? Um, international is more like, like when I went to Mexico, it was like three, two or three Americans per team. So it's like, it could be you and someone else or you and two other guys. So it's like, basically you're more of the focal point of the team. You're the one that's going to carry versus playing in America. You got like the whole team was something in college or they they were everybody was their own their own big player so it's like but when you go overseas you have the two main guys and then you have the locals so it's like it really depends on what the locals are like to determine how your team is going to come out okay so i mean did y'all have like a i mean do you do you speak spanish do you speak japanese or so we had a translator in every country i went to um Mexico wasn't as bad because back then I knew I knew a little bit of Spanish, so I knew how to get around and I know how to get get things I wanted. Um, but Japan, that that was that was different. Like we had a translator, but when we didn't have them, we struggled. Like we couldn't get <laughs> anything we wanted. It was more like, all right, pull out your phone, Google Translate. <laughs> yeah, no, I bet so, man. I, I've so I've been overseas twice. The first time was uh, I went to South America, like Argentina, Uruguay, a lot of different places around there. And like, dude, if I if I didn't go with like some of the people that were in our group that knew how to speak Spanish or um, <laughs> we kind of had like a something similar. It was uh, we, yeah. had a trans- that, we had a translator that was with us as well. And if we didn't go out with them, like, man, like we were screwed. Um, but like my Spanish was so trash. I, I did like a two week crash course on Duolingo on like my phone before we left because it was one of those things where. Um, uh, it was like the cross-cultural trip that we we were were uh, required to do whenever you're at Lee University. Yeah. So, um, I kind of just I just kind of winged it and did that, and I was like, oh, I'm good now. And no, I wasn't good. So it's because okay. it's different if you're like taking a class versus like being in like a real world scenario. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah that had to be interesting for sure. I actually got lucky with that because you know you have to take the trip, and I had went to Mexico twice, so they allowed me to use that as my 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 trip nice yeah i I, I mean i was happy to go man i mean it was expensive to like get everything taken care of but um like it was still so cool to go down there and just kind of enjoy the culture and the food and stuff like that you know we we had to do like this the school thing but i mean it was kind of like hearsay really because like most of the time um our our professor dr hasso shout out to him he's a cool dude i don't know if you remember him or not he was in the uh, business department yeah um you know, he would kind of let us do our own thing and he would bring us to different spots. And uh, one of the guys that was like with us actually, um, I think he went to Lee at one point, but then came back home to Argentina and he just so happened to own a bar. So we we kind of lifted up while we we're out there. He took care of us and it, it was nice. So that was a good, good experience. Hell yeah, it was. <laughs> shit, I had so much fun. I got all that shit out of my system whenever I was at Lee, man, because I was like living for the weekend and stuff and doing all that shit now i'm just kind of like if i if i'm out past like nine or ten i'm like ah it's it's past my, it's past my bedtime it's time for me to go home 
I'm too old for that shit. I mean, I'm not even that old, but it's like I feel like uh, things have definitely changed. Yeah, it's like when you work all you work all week. It's like, all right, I look forward to doing nothing on the weekends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But, but yeah, man. So, um, I I don't think you did say, but how long did you actually play professional ball? So I played. Let's see. Started in 2011, and I quit playing in 2016 2017 so about five or six years okay and you were uh you were saying that you were kind of going back and forth between playing professionally and then being a a harlem globetrotter yeah yeah because um so in that transition like um in 2014 we had my son and i was like all right i could go overseas but i'll be so far away so I was like, and then I had a friend. He was like, well, the Globetrotters are looking for players. He was like, I'll send your video. And I was like, all right, cool. Um, so I ended up talking to uh, the director at the time. He was like, hey, we're going to fly you out to Vegas. We'll fly you out to Vegas for a trial. And if you make it, we'll fly you back out at a later date so that you can be with a team. I was like, all right, cool. So I flew out to Vegas um, on like a Saturday night. I get there, get to the hotel. I'm relaxing. Wake up the next day at like eight, walk to the gym, had a tryout. We tried out. We played. We played. We did like basic stuff, like one on one, two on two. They just want to see if you actually had like the the knowledge of basketball. And yeah. then it was like, all right, now you got to show us like what talents you have. So it was like me and four other guys trying out. The, so they was like, all right, y'all are all applying for like a dunker spot. So dunker is basically someone that catches the lobs, do the trick dunks, all of that. And I was like, all right, cool. So the first three guys go, one does like a bar- like a basic one-hand dunk. And I was like, oh, okay. And then the next guy like barely does like a reverse dunk. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I go and I just go between the legs the first dunk. And they was like, oh, shit. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, this is the only dunk y'all got. They was like, yeah, that was my best dunk. And I was like, oh, wow. So then I go again, I throw it up, I do 360 between the legs. They was like, oh, shit. So then they, they like, pulled me to the side, like, immediately, and they was like, yeah, we want to bring you back. Um, but they were like, we have a question. Have you have you watched the Harlem Globetrotters game? I was like, no. They was like, well, this is a unique situation because we're short a player. Like, one of the players' flight got canceled or something, and they were like, we need you to play tonight. And I was like, wait, what? Never was seen a game, never been to one. So they just threw me out in the fire, basically. Yeah, they put you on the spot. Yeah, bro. When I tell you I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but they they took care of me. They like they they got me up to speed on what to do. They was like, look, anytime you see somebody do something like a crazy move, they were like, just run toward the goal and they're gonna throw it up. And I was like, all right, I can work with that. I mean, shit, you did that whenever you're at Lee. It's like If you didn't dunk at least five times a game, we're like, what's wrong with you? I mean, because like it, your vert, I don't, know, I don't know if it's changed since then, but like your vertical was like what forty two inches or something, something yeah. crazy like that. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, and it was like that's what that's what I did. Like I traveled the world, catch dunks. So what was the um, you know that that was crazy? Them just kind of throwing you out into the fire like that. But th- I mean, they had they had to have like so much faith in you to to do that so you must have impressed them hardcore with everything that you were doing but like like what was the hardest trick you had to do while you were actually like playing um so at the end of the games um at the end of the games it's more like 
So we have this play where like you basically you go in and it's more like the finishing for the game, like a dunk to finish the game. And it's like, if you miss, you go into overtime and it's like, but nobody wants to go into overtime. So it's like, it's so much pressure to make that dunk. Cause it's like, you going up, it's body contact. Like it's so much. And it's just like that finish. And then it's like to start the game, I used to jump over a seven footer to start the game. So those two, like the start to the start the game and to finish it by far the hardest two. <laughs> Damn. Okay. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really know that. Cause I don't think I've ever actually been to a, um, to a Harlem Globetrotters game, but I've been to like, and one back like in Louisiana, whenever yeah. I lived in New Orleans, I've seen them and that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, no, I've never, I never didn't really understand how all that stuff works, but um, is there like, uh, is, are the games like scripted to, to a certain degree or? Yeah, it's more like it's script, but it's like, it's a lot of live, like a lot of live action. So it's like okay. some of the stuff is just, you just go, you go what's going on. Like, you basically plan the game like it's like, yeah, you have the scripted part to keep the crowd into it, to keep everybody going. But it's like some of that stuff you you just can't like you having guys hitting like 14 threes or 14 four point shots. Like those type of things you can't like you can't be like, all right, we're going to put a magnet in the ball. And it's going to go in every time. Like, no, it's just like those guys, they go off. Damn. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I, I assumed it was scripted to a certain degree because they're always doing some crazy stuff out there. But I wasn't yeah. really too sure. But what was your? Uh, cause I know everyone has like a different name. Um, uh, like everyone, I don't know how all that stuff works. But like, what, what was your name on the court? So my globe charter name was Beast. Like they they gave it to me, and it it like they stuck to me ever since. They were just like, yo, like this guy jumps like crazy. And it's like when I dunk, I dunked hard and I jump high. So they were yeah. like, just like they was like this guy beast. <laughs> That's initially what I thought of whenever you came to Lee was like I can remember. I so you you came from a, a, a JUCO um, whenever I was there. You so you transferred over in the the um, the rules for NAIA, which Lee was NAIA school at the time. I think the transfer rules were different versus NCAA. I don't really understand yeah. how all that stuff works, but um, I remember you coming in. And uh, I was like, man, this guy's skinny, like super skinny. And I, I mean, I'm I, at the time, I'm a big boy now. I was pretty skinny back then. Um, I think I was like 205, 67. And that, that's that's not big at all. Oh, yeah. And, I was um, or correction, 6'8. I'm actually 6'8 because I kept telling my girl, um, I'm 6'7. She's like, oh, I don't believe you. And we actually measured myself the other day. He's like, oh, no, you're 6'8. And I'm like, I'll take it. But, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no, I remember you coming into the gym and um I guess it was like a they were just doing a shoot around or something and I remember you uh you came baseline and um I, I think you may have like dunked on somebody or something. I was like, oh my and you like hit you hit you literally hit your shoulder on the backboard and I'm like, holy shit. Like <laughs> this guy can fucking jump. So the word the the name Beast is definitely very fitting for sure. Yeah, so definitely. That shit was crazy. So are there different like Globetrotter um, teams that are traveling the country or is there just one specific Globetrotter team? Um, so when I was there, um, we had three teams. We'll have one up north, one out west and one in the south. And then as it goes and we cover majority of the country, we always sent one team international. 
So you have two teams in the country and then one international. And I was I was fortunate to be a part of both to where I did the U.S. tour and then I did the, the international tour. So I've been to like like almost every state in the country. I think I've only been I haven't been to like two states in the country. I went to over 30, 30 to 40 countries like. Yeah, Damn. crazy. Like I, I had to get a new passport. Like it was it was so much fun. Like I've I've basically been so many places. I've got to see made so many connections, so many good friends. You know, like I still talk to a lot of the guys that I play ball with. Like the guy that I, I played ball with in Mexico, we still talk. Um, my friends in Japan, like the basketball world is definitely like well, sports world in general is definitely like you meet a lot of great people. A lot of good connections. Oh, for sure, for sure, man. Uh, that's definitely no doubt with that. Um, so, have you met? Any, I, I can't remember their names or anything like that. But have you ever met any of the original Globetrotters, or are they even still alive? Yeah. So, uh, Sweet Lou, he's he's the coach. Um, he was one of the originals. Um, I actually met Curly Neal before he died, so that was that was really cool. Like I met him out in Atlanta. Um, he was coming out to do um, some 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 PR, and he ended up like getting on the elevator with me. I was like, "Oh, like it's like you're shell shocked, but it's like you're a globe trotter too." But it's like to see like those guys, like those original guys, is it was is is crazy. Yeah, it, that that's funny that you bring that up. Like you're like shell shocked when you meet someone that's famous, um, and that that's something that like I never really want to be. Is I never would want to be famous just because like you wouldn't be able to have a normal life anywhere you go. Like no. if you go out to a restaurant or whatever, it, like you, you like people are always coming up trying to talk to you and stuff like that. So it's like, and like if I ever do see someone that I'm like, you know, following Instagram or some like some sort of celebrity, I like, you know, it's cool to see them in person, but I try to like not talk to them because I'm like, yeah. who knows how many? Yeah, yeah, because I mean, people try to I, people treat them like they're an alien, like they're like some like they put them on some sort of pedestal, like they're higher than the, you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. That's uh, but it's still that's super dope that you're able to connect with those people, man. That's that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. But um, yeah. So you okay? So you uh, so D League, you went uh, so played overseas, um, and then uh, did the did the Globetrotter gig, and then um, now and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were at one point were a um, juvenile probation officer, right? Yeah, I did that for. I want to say two years. Okay. What, what was that like? It was, it was definitely a culture shock um, because like coming from Georgia, moving to South Florida, like it's everything is hot. It's fast paced down here. It's move, 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 move. And you know, in Georgia, everything's slow. Um, but it was like coming down here and just to be a part of the community to like help these kids out. Cause it's like, it's so many kids that don't have that support. And it's like, you're basically like the parent. Like they look at you as the, as the the parent because it's like you you spend so much time with these kids, and it's like I did it. Like I I loved the job. I enjoyed it so much. Um, so many kids I helped graduate, get off probation. Um, I had one kid that he like he changed his life around. Like he was in trouble all the time. He was in and out of programs, and it's like he graduated high school. He was trying to go to college, and it's like to be that positive figure for these kids, like it's, it's definitely, it was well, it was definitely worth it. And I enjoy like every second of it. That's cool, man. So do like, do you feel like, 
kids that go into the juvenile system more so end up coming back? Or do you feel like there are more, uh, more of them that come in are actually being re- rehabilitated to be successful for life? I feel like the system is it's the person. Like, I feel like the person that they connect with, it, it, they have to care. Because if you don't care, if they get these they get these people that don't care about them and just trying to go through the motions with them, a lot of these kids, they, they just come back. And it's like a cycle. It's like you're basically preparing them to go to jail or prison. But it's like, if you could stop or try to do anything you can to change that, or just intervene or just show them that you care, then they'll put the effort. But if you don't give the effort, it's just a, a like it's just a cycle. It's just yeah, a cycle until yeah. they get old enough. And then it's like once they get older and they're charged as an adult, they're no longer in our, our custody. Cause once you they get trialed as an adult, we lose them. Yeah, that can be that that could be crazy, man. I I can't I can't really fathom how how that whole life is. Cause I mean growing up I was you know, very fortunate to have like parents that were, you know, doing their best to take care of me and stuff like that. So I never, I was very fortunate to not have to go through that. So yeah. that's, uh, yeah, that's pretty dope that you did that, man. That's cool. And you said you did that for three years Two. two, excuse me, two years. So you did yeah. that. And then, uh, wh- what made you want to be a fighter firefighter? Cause I'm assuming you did that after that. Yeah, I was actually, I was doing probation and I was like, being an athlete, Sitting at a desk is the hardest thing in the world to do. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I was at a desk. And it's like sometimes, I, of course, like I was in the field because I had to go see my kids. And I was just like, I like I'm a hands on person. Like I like to be outside, but I love to help people. So I was like, what else could I do? And it was crazy because at the time I was looking at the process. I was like, I had already I had everything mapped out of how I was going to get it done and how I was going to become a firefighter. And I ended up. Uh, my girl, she went to the park and it was like they had like the fire department there and it was like become one of us. And it was like a volunteer program that they they give. And I was like, oh, that's the perfect way to start. Like that's that's my foot in the door. And I applied. They called me back. I went through the school. Uh, the school was like six to eight months. And I saw I was in the middle of school doing that. I was working full time and uh COVID hit so COVID hit right at the end of my like right when we we were like one or two months from graduating COVID hit so it kind of it froze everything for me so I was in the middle so I was still working trying to become the firefighter COVID hit and they were like all right so we're gonna have to shorten it a little bit but and sp- space out the classes but they're like you'll still be able to graduate it just may take longer so I was like, all right, cool. So we back, we back at class grinding. We finally finished. And now I'm at the station. I have my gear. I can respond to calls. I can do everything just like any other firefighter. That's dope, man. That's pretty cool. Um, so, all right, hands down, craziest, craziest call you ever had to go on? I haven't. I've missed, like, my, my first call was I had to respond to it was basically like we we're just like checking up to see if somebody was there where for a check uh we get there and this is like in the middle of COVID so it's like we're there we were on mass and yeah. so they were like oh he has his 
his um there's mail out here there's stuff like that we go in and of course we find him in the bathroom he had been there for a while um so like skin had already started melting to the floor so <laughs> yeah it was it was it was crazy but we've had some some wild some wildfires down here um like just a couple of weeks ago uh we responded to a call it was a meth lab in the hotel oh god <laughs> so, <Damn. laughs> yeah <laughs> like the guy had, it was basically someone had found him dead and when we got there to open up big meth lab and it's like you'll you'll see like you see you hear and you see crazy things but it's like it's like when you hear to see it on the news it's like oh wow but it's yeah. like when you're actually the one that's responding to it you're like oh shit i'm here yeah i mean that's kind of like to a degree and i know it would mess me up mentally like do you feel like there's like you know do you feel like you need to talk to like somebody whenever you go through certain uh, calls? I feel like I feel like it's okay to vent and talk to people. Um, I think that's that's the problem with a lot, like a lot of men per se, because it's like yeah. we're we have to be this macho figure, not yeah. really talk, just keep everything inside. But it's like if you don't talk, you're just gonna break eventually. And it's like for me, I come home, I talk to my wife. I talk to my son like I just, like I don't mind like I have friends like uh, I have a really strong support group down here so it's like and the people that are around me they care and yeah. it's like, I'm like oh how was work what did you see or you know and I don't mind talking about it but I know like I haven't seen anything too crazy to where it's it's gotten me but I know I know like doing this career you're gonna see stuff like that oh you yeah for sure. Yeah, for sure. You just gotta try to separate it best you can. Talk about it and try try the best. Try your best just not to stay focused on that. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's interesting because like you said, you know, men normally are trying to like you know be macho and stuff like that because they don't want to show their feelings. And that's that's one thing. As I've gotten older, is like I don't do that. Like if I need to vent or talk, I make sure I talk to those people that I know that will listen and give me positive feedback or constructive feedback, whatever it may yeah. be that I'm kind of talking to them about. Um, Cause like one thing that I struggle with quite a bit is anxiety and it's so weird. It's like um, I'll just be driving home or I'll just be sitting in the house, just kind of chilling. And then it'll just boom, hit me like that. And I'm like, like what's like, what is happening right now? Yeah. So I think that's like, you know, anxiety or depression or, you know, you know, in, in being in your shoes, kind of dealing with those certain situations when you go on those calls, it's like, um, I feel like I have to talk about it because if not, like you said, it's it's it'll break me essentially at one point. I mean, everyone's breaking points different, but yeah. that's uh, I think that's something that definitely needs to be more normalized nowadays. Is you know, talking about your feelings. Definitely. So because that that could be a crazy thing if you if you don't because I mean, the, your worst enemy at the end of the day is you because like I mean, if you're not on par up here in your head everything I mean, out the window dude because i mean the mind's a powerful thing and i'm every day i'm starting to realize that more and more and um it's like one thing that my girl and girl and i are trying to do right now is just um get back to a a healthy uh lifestyle in regards to like eating and just working out in general because like i i've been off the wagon for a long time um probably a little bit over a year 
Um, haven't really done too much to kind of take that first step, but that that's what it's all about is taking that first step and then getting over that hump. And then once you can kind of change your lifestyle, you know, it just gets easier from there. So yeah, but, uh, yeah, 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 man. So I, uh, I saw that you were drinking something. I, I got a little something right here too. What, what you sipping on right now? Uh, I got this Johnny Walker red label. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Some scotch. Yeah. I, I've, uh, you know, I've sipped on some, some Johnny Walker here and there. Um, I'm more of a bourbon guy, but I'll, I'll sip on some scotch every once in a while. But, um, I don't think I've ever had the red label. I've had double black or black. black, Yeah. yeah, The the double black. I just recently got on, uh, my, a lot of my friends that I have down here, they're a lot, they're, they're a little bit older than me. So it's like, they, they started drinking like the whiskey and scotch and like to them, they went away from that tequila and like the the vodka and the rum. And I was like, yo, they go to different places. They get like these age whiskeys. And I was like, yeah, just bring me something back. Like I'll try. And then it's like, they always bring me stuff. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm cool with it. Like this is free alcohol. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it's fun, man. And I, I feel like the bourbon, the, the whiskey community is like such a, very welcoming um yeah. type of world so it's pretty cool but um yeah i've uh i haven't really dived too much into the scotch because like for me personally like just because let's say like okay i'm drinking bourbon like, i could think it's the best thing in the world someone else could taste it and they could be like yo this tastes like shit you yeah. know so yeah. just because yeah just because i like it doesn't mean the other person's gonna think it's the best thing ever but like i've had some scotch that's like super good but like i feel like it's very smoky and like meaty tasting like meat yeah. um, and that's just that's just not for me so much yeah they have a few that i was like yeah this ain't it like when he he brought this uh i don't remember i don't recall the bottle that he brought but he had brought one bottle and i was like yeah you can take this back home i'm never gonna drink this one like <laughs> <laughs> man like it's funny i've always i've always been into whiskey but i never like really have taken the time to start like buying bottles so much until i actually moved to dallas and uh, once I started buying all these bottles, whenever uh, me and my girl moved in together, she's like, I didn't realize you liked whiskey so much. And I'm like, well, never really had a place to put them because like for work, I was always traveling and stuff like that. And uh, never really just bought stuff because I was never home. So yeah. I, and right now I have like 120 bottles of whiskey. So it's a lot of stuff, man. But it's so it's so fun. Like I, mm-hmm. I love just like being able to buy a bottle, see if I like it or not. And uh, I mean, it's, it can be an expensive habit. Yes. I mean, I mean, it, it, it could be super yeah. expensive, but, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's fun, man. I like connecting with people in, in the whiskey community and just kind of just talking shit and just enjoying the whiskey, man. Cause whiskey's meant to be drank. That's and it. Like, I can't, I can't really fathom like thinking about buying a bottle of whiskey and not opening it up. Cause like, so my girl is, uh, in the insurance world yeah, and they, and they do like high net worth insurance. And she was showing me something about like, some somebody was trying to get a, a bottle of whiskey insured. It was like, like two hundred thousand dollar bottle of whiskey. And I'm like, why? That's so expensive, and they're not even opening it. Like it's crazy. People people have their their things. They like to collect stuff. You know, it is what it is. Like, I'll I'll use uh like so I got a pair of shoes back here. I I, I like shoes. I'm not, I wouldn't really call myself a sneakerhead or anything like that, but um. I had uh, a guy come on a couple of weeks back and he owns a, uh, a consignment shop up in uh, mm-hmm. Chattanooga, Tennessee. And uh, it's called free agency, Tennessee. Shout out to Brian Sullivan. He's uh, you know, he, he's 
pretty much the plug in Chattanooga and the surrounding area for like any exclusive like Jays or Yeezys or whatever is kind of like hot at the moment. And yeah. um, so whenever he was on, you know, in the background, you see like all these shoes and these racks and stuff like that. And they're still in the box. Cause like, if you don't have the box, whenever you're, you have your shoes, like the value will kind of drop if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's what he told me. But um, I asked him, I was like, so I'm assuming you're in your, in your shop right now. And he's like, he just mm-hmm. starts laughing. He's like, nah, I'm in my, I'm, I'm in my house. I'm in, in the back room. And I'm like, dude, how many shoes do you have? I, I don't remember exactly what he said. I think it was like maybe like 300, 400 pairs of shoes. And I'm like, holy shit. That's crazy. But it's like the same thing with whiskey. It's like, I have a lot of whiskey. It's just everyone yeah. has their, everyone has their thing. So, but, but yeah, man, uh, bur- bourbon's my jam. I, I mean, I just picked up a bottle yesterday right here. It's a, uh, oh, I'm like backwards over here. Oh, I'm not sipping on it right now, but I'm drinking yeah. like my, I'm drinking my, uh, some happy dad. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a hard seltzer. I'm not yeah. even a dad. I'm not a dad, but that's just what it's called. But, um, no, I ended up grab, grabbing some of this. It's a uh, Timbercraft whiskey. I don't know uh-huh. if you can see it. I don't know if you can yeah. see that or not, but, um, so there, there's this, uh, this spot that I go to, I made a good relationship with the guy that runs this store. Um, shout out to, to Scott at lucky liquor. He's a cool dude, him and his staff. Um, he let me try a sample of this and, uh, I was like, damn, this shit's good. So I ended up buying a bottle and, um, that's some good stuff, man. Um, I, I normally go for like higher proof on whiskey. So like, you know, 120, 130. Yeah. Um, but this is, this is 98 proof and it's, oh, it's some good shit. I like it. it. It's, uh, I don't know if you're very familiar with like what's what, but it's, it's MGP. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's Midwestern grain products and it's, it's, uh, their juice, for lack of a better term, is um, distilled in Indiana. That's what Midwestern grain products are. Mm-hmm. It's so good, man. I feel like I feel like so many companies are MGP now because yeah, uh, it it ju- it just is what it is. I, I, I and I'm green behind the ears. I don't know much. I don't know. Much. I'm still learning I, and stuff like that. But I'm the same way. Like I don't. I don't know. Like I don't really have like a lot of the information. But it's like. I can talk about it if you give me somewhat information and I can go on what I have and just build. Be- hands down, best whiskey you ever had. Tough question. I know. I went to DR and I don't remember what it was, um, but they had some in the room and it was hand- like, I don't, I don't, I don't have a clue what name it was, but it was something from DR that they have. They're like their own brand. And it was by far like, it was real smooth. It went down like no hangovers. Like it was really good. What is uh? What is DR? I'm not. I'm not familiar with what that. What that is? Dominican Republic. Oh, okay. I was like, what are you talking about? I thought it was like a local like, like restaurant or something. No, I was trying to think of the name of like the city, and I couldn't. Like I was drawing a blank. But no, we went to Dominican Republic um, for our anniversary, and we stayed at this uh, this resort. And they have like they give you like the bottles like they they had bottles in the room and it was all whiskey and it was like this one brand that they had it was like their brand amazing okay but you don't know what you don't know what it was though I like I've never saw it so it was like because it was like even when we were walking around they was like hey you have this whiskey in your room could you bring it to us and I was like no like <laughs> I <was> like yeah <laughs> you have to kill me for that man y'all fu- y'all <laughs> fucked up y'all shouldn't have left it in my room man. Yeah, I, I had uh my uh dude my my favorite whiskey 
I don't have a bottle of it because it's like almost impossible to find it. And if you do find it, you're probably going to pay like $1,000 for a bottle or more because the second the secondary market is insane. Because, like, I mean, people will like buy bottles and like flip them or, you know, stores will just, you know, sell them or price gouge on these bottles because they're so hard to find. And they probably know somebody's going to come in there and pay for them, which I wouldn't because I can't yeah. just I can't justify paying that much for a bottle. Like if that shit doesn't get me instantly hammered, like it's not <laughs> worth it. So I don't get ha- I don't get hammered all the time. I'm not a, I'm not an alcoholic per contrary belief or whatever. But um, <laughs> per I said that wrong. Per popular, I don't even just don't even listen to me. Um, but uh, no, it's it's called George T. Stag. It's a Buffalo Trace product. It's um, wow. it's a. Uh, Part of their antique collection, so it's B, it, for short, it's BTAC, so Buffalo mm-hmm. Trace Antique Collection. Uh, me and my girl went up to this uh, to this spot up here in Dallas, some steakhouse uh, called Albernay's. Pretty good, pretty good place, and they had a very good selection of whiskey. And uh, I think it was like Valentine's Day or something, and I saw that they had that on their bar, and I was like, I want a pour of that. Give me that. And like, if if you're gonna pay for a pour of like something so hard to find like you're gonna pay a lot of money for it so i think it was like i think it was like 50 bucks for like a two ounce pour it was insane but i was like i was splurging and i was like we're just gonna enjoy the day and man it was hands down that was so fucking good and i wish i had a bottle that stuff but i'm not paying that much for a bottle so (laughs) yeah because it's like i have it but i can't drink it fast because i'm not going to get another bottle but it's like you enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. Contrary to popular belief, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> I couldn't even say it. My mind's so weird, man. I'll get like tongue twisted and stuff. No, this is uh, so this is super random. So I was, uh, I got a joke for you. All right. Or it's maybe like, it's like, uh, uh, it's not, I guess it's kind of a joke, but I'm not a fucking comedian. I don't claim to be, but um, <laughs> it's like, if you really think about it, stuff's not really on fire. Isn't fire on stuff? Exactly. I was thinking about that because you're a firefighter, and I was yeah, like, like <laughs> "You got something there." Yeah. So I was like, "Well, let me let me throw that in there, see what he thinks, because that'll blow his mind." Yeah, because if you look at it, it's not on fire. The fire is on it. It's covering everything. Yeah. Think about that. You know what? Okay, that makes me think about something else. So, um, I've I talked to a couple people about this uh, recently because um, I'm gonna get a little weird and creepy right now, or a little supernatural because some weird shit's been happening here lately. Like I, like I believe that there is a higher being. I believe that there is a god. I don't like. That's about as far as that goes. I don't yeah. practice any religion, whatever. But um, so last Sunday. Uh, I had a dream and um, it's kind of one of those things where like, you don't really remember the dream once you wake up. But then like, I guess like as the day progresses, you're like, Oh, I had this dream about whatever. So um, I had this dream and it was one of my employees and uh, I saw I'm a manager at UPS and uh, it just, depending on the day I have to manage X amount of employees. And um, so in the dream, one of my employees came to me, super, super great guy. He was in his uniform, in the brown uniform, and he was like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna go act now, like, cause he was trying to be an actor, 
and I guess he did some stuff with some agency here in uh in like the, the DFW area, so Dallas Fort Worth. Yeah. And he was like, I'm gonna go act now. I'll see you later, man. And then that was a dream. Like that's all I can remember. So Monday morning, one of my uh one of my coworkers calls me, another supervisor, and he's like, Hey man, did you hear about so and so? I'm not gonna put his name out there, but um I was like, No, what what happened? He's like, he passed away. And I'm like, What? I'm like are you, I was like, you're kidding right now, right? He's like, no. And then I immediately told him about the dream. That's like when I started remembering about it. I was like, dude, I had this dream about him. And it do, instantly, I had goosebumps. And I was like, what is happening right now? That's it was wild. so weird. And so the cra- another crazy thing that happened, I think it was either a day after or a couple days after, my girl was telling me that she had this dream about, um, I can't remember specifically what it was about, but it was like, Birds being dead or birds trying to attack her or something to that effect. I don't really remember. Excuse me. And so she was like, yeah, so I had this weird dream. And like, th- like the next day I was driving and like a bird was like, like fly, like birds were flying into the car and stuff like that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then we get home or she gets home rather. And yeah. she's like, tell- she's telling me about like, birds flying into the window and just crashing you know i i, I feel like that's kind of normal that happens quite a bit yeah. I, I would i would yeah. assume so like you know i guess depending on if they, they see like something they want to like fly on or get that's in that area behind that window yeah and uh she was like yeah these birds just keep flying into the window and it wasn't just like one window in the house like it was like in the in the living room the bird would fly and it hit the window and in the closer to the back door they would fly hit a window or whatever. I'm like, that's kind of weird. And then she said, it kept, and then she said it kept happening. And then birds would start like coming by the window and start pecking just like everywhere. And I'm like, that's creepy. So I, I didn't see it. So I was like, okay, I mean, that, that is weird. I mean, I did just have this weird dream that just happened to me. So like, that's, I don't know what to say. That's creepy. But, uh, so yesterday, uh, me, her, and our two dogs, we have a Bernadoodle and a boxer. We're just kind of all chilling downstairs. And she's like, what's that noise? And uh, I'm like, I don't know. It's it's Zoe. That's our, our female boxer. It's like, maybe it's Zoe, I don't know, doing something. She's like, no, it's not Zoe. Do you not hear that? And I'm like, no, I don't hear it. So I go up. She's like, go upstairs because she thinks someone broke into the house. And I'm like, I'm going to, okay, let me go upstairs. And, and uh, I'm not downplaying people breaking into a house because that, you know, shit, that shit's crazy. Yeah. That, that's like, yeah. that happens. So, I go upstairs and in her office, there's a bird pecking on the window. And then there's another one and then another one. It was, it, I was like, what the fuck? It was so weird. So I don't know what that means or if anybody that's watching this or listening to this, like <laughs> if you know what that means, if we're cursed or if, it's a, if I don't know, I, I'm kind of creeped out about it. So I mean, just go to sleep. Let me know what the lottery numbers are. <laughs> I wish that'd be great. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't have to work again. Facts, but no, th- dude, that shit creeped me out. And like, I like movies that are kind of like psychological thrillers or just thrillers in general, suspense, whatever, weird stuff. Yeah, but like, dude, when that happened, I'm like, no, nope, I'm good. I'm gonna go that way. Exit stage left. So that's that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Have you ever had anything like that happen to you or just something weird? I've like it's crazy because it's like I've had a dream before and then the shit happened and I'm just like, why do I feel like I've done this already? 
Yeah. It's like, I haven't. And it's like, I feel like shit like that happens a lot. Like people will dream some shit and it'll happen. And then it's just like, oh, I did this. And it's like, when? Yeah. It's like, did we live another life? Like, is there something people are not telling us? Because if you're all, I want to know. I'm creeped out right now. <laughs> no, it's, uh, that makes me think of, uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is going to happen or not, but uh, my girl and I are thinking about going to Salem. I think, where is, I, <laughs> trying to plan a trip, but I don't know where I'm going. It's Salem, um, Massachusetts, I think. Because um, there's a Winston-Salem, and I think there's a Salem, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I know it's Winston-Salem. Um, I think there's a Salem, Massachusetts. Uh-huh. I could be wrong. Excuse my ignorance, but um, <laughs> we were thinking about going to Salem for Halloween because I think that's where like the the Salem witch trials happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that would be kind of cool to do something different, get out of town, travel. I like traveling, and um, I was like, let me do that. So like now I'm thinking <laughs> like maybe I don't want to go anymore because I feel like other weird shit's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, you definitely gonna get something out there. Oh, man, it's crazy. It, that makes me think of something else. So, originally, I'm from New Orleans. I don't know if you knew that or not, but um, um, this. So, I got dislocated to uh, Tennessee after Katrina, and then um, at some point, my mom and I went down back to New Orleans just to visit. You know, get some good food because, like, man, the food down there is so dope. It's so yes. good. Yes. Um, that's one thing I definitely do miss about about uh, being home. Um, is definitely that and then the culture because it's just so unique. But um, that's besides the fact. Um, I remember she was we were walking in the city somewhere and she was like, hey, I'm going to go into the store. I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to walk over here, just look around, whatever. And uh, I saw this voodoo shop and um, I, I'm very open-minded and interested in a lot of things. Um, and I just happened to walk into the store, didn't think anything of it. The door was already open, but nobody was in there. And I'm walking in there. They got all this creepy shit. It's a voodoo shop. It's, it's going to have creepy shit in there. Yeah. And I'm like, I just felt like I shouldn't have been in there. And I was like, you know what? I don't feel like I should be in here right now. They're just like, I felt like something was like kind of hovering over me. And I was like, I'm getting yeah. out of here. Fuck this. So, yeah. <laughs> now. I don't know. No, I, I, mean, I don't know that. I'm making it seem like a whole bunch of random crazy shit happens to me in my life but it doesn't like i'm a pretty normal guy i go to work hang out with my girl and our dogs and and do whatever and i just we just chill so like but i don't know that's weird (laughs) it probably didn't help that i was watching war of the worlds before we started this uh show so yeah (laughs) real supernatural shit yeah but all right brother um hey i appreciate you getting on here i'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up no, not a problem. Yeah, appreciate you uh, getting on here and just shooting the shit with me. It was great. Until uh, next time, everybody, y'all have a good one. Peace. Peace.